0: Hi, are you a gifted or twice exceptional adult who feels a bit stuck in your journey? Do you have goals and dreams which you would love to achieve, but you don't know where to start or feel a little bit overwhelmed? Or maybe you have a thousand ideas, 500 projects and get distracted by your own thoughts and would love some support on focus and accountability. Whatever gets you stuck, I wholeheartedly believe that gifted and twice exceptional specific coaching will help you unleash your power so that you can be your most authentic gifted self. I recently embarked on my journey on becoming a gifted and twice exceptional coach. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, please reach out via email at hello at giftedunleash.com, or you can find more information about my coaching offers on the website giftedunleash.com forward slash coaching. I would love working with you, and I would love to get you unstuck. So please reach out, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Unleash Monday, where we talk about the brain, especially the gifted brain, and how does it affect our thinking and experience of the world differently. There are a lot of stereotypes and stigma around giftedness, and I'm here to challenge those. I'm here to raise awareness and to have a conversation around this topic of what does it mean to be a gifted adult. Common experience among gifted folks is that they feel out of place. They don't quite fit in. They are too sensitive, too intense, too emotional, too overexcitable, and too deep thinkers about the world and about themselves. So if you have been called too much of about anything, then this show is for you. My name is Nadia. I'm too loud, too colorful, too bubbly, too bossy, and I love to talk too much. So welcome to my world, and I'm so happy you are here. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope you had an incredible weekend and you started well into this week. I'm here to inspire you with another great episode. Well, actually, my guest is here to inspire you. Her name is Gabriela Alvarez, and she's an incredible young woman, and She's really somebody I look up to and gives me inspiration because she has already laid out her track of where she wants to go in life and where she wants to take her education and her voice. So she has dyslexia and she wants to become the voice of dyslexia and also other learning differences. So she wants to become an advocate and actually she already is. She is an incredible advocate for people that have a learning difference, that are dyslexic. So, I don't want to say too much because she's going to share her incredible story with us today. So, without further ado, let's just dive right into this amazing interview. Here is Gabriella. Welcome, Gabriella. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm so curious to learn all about you and what you're doing and also your journey. You mentioned that you have dyslexia. I'm just curious, like, how did this show and what was school like for you? Do you want to share a little bit about your childhood? When did the first sign pop up? Did you realize yourself that there was something going on? Or was it the teachers or your parents? Like?
1: Yeah, so a little background history just because then it'd be a little random with context is I was born in South Africa and my mother and my sister were as well but my grandparents were immigrants both sides of my grandparents were immigrants to South Africa so i am originally portuguese and my father is portuguese as well cuz he was born in portugal so my ancestors are portuguese so that is my origin And with that and being immigrants, we immigrated to South Africa and and traveling was always something part of it. And my family left South Africa when I was six years old. After I was sick for a very long time with pneumonia, we finally left. We stayed longer because I was sick as a kid with pneumonia for a very long time. And when we left, we came back to Portugal and things didn't really work out the way that my parents wanted it to work out. We were hoping to obviously stay here longer than we planned, and it just didn't work for my parents. And my dad got a job offer working for Toyota, which he's been doing for all his life, more than 30 years. And we moved to Tanzania. So that's how I ended up in Tanzania. I went with my dad and my mom. My sister ended up going to medical school in Czech Republic. So she went and did her life. And I grew up at the age of nine years old in Tanzania, and I graduated from high school there when I left at 18 years old. I started fourth grade, and fourth grade was going fine, and this is where my dyslexia started to come in, in the sense of noticing it, because when I came to Tanzania, I went to an English school, and before that, I was living in Portugal, where I was only speaking Portuguese. I I couldn't really remember my English. So I had to teach myself English all over again. And my mom was worried when she realized I couldn't spell the word glasses. That was the first sign because everyone at my age should be able to spell glasses at fourth grade level. And I couldn't spell glasses. That was the first time it hit. And I remember my mom talking to my teacher saying she's not spelling glasses correctly. Like that, that can't be okay. What else should we work on? Should we, you know, help her after school? And I remember the teacher saying, no, that's nothing to work on. She will grow out of it. So I was going to grow out of this. And so my mom left that and we just, I remember working a lot over the summer and the breaks that I had, my mom always helped me work on my English more. And then in fifth grade, the school reached out to my mom and said, no, I think we need to get Gabriella diagnosed. She definitely has a learning disability. She's struggling." to spell correctly. She's struggling to write complete sentences, and she's struggling to read at her reading level for her grade. So that was kind of the signs that kind of came in. And so being in Tanzania with the lack of resources, (laughs) there was only one lady who could actually diagnose me. She was specialized in diagnosing learning uh, disabilities. And uh, so I was diagnosed by her, and she was the only one actually within like Uh, Tanzania Kenya and maybe Mozambique that could actually do it so if if you didn't have one like you had to travel all the way to South Africa where they had one that it was very hard with resources for anyone with a learning disability so I was diagnosed in fifth grade at the age of 12 with dyslexia which for for my age at the age of 12 apparently that was already too late for someone to be diagnosed with dyslexia you should be noticing that at like grade two level which is between six and seven and my parents never noticed it because I was always thriving in school but that was when it first hit and that's when I was diagnosed with dyslexia. There's
0: so many different questions I have already. So you say you got diagnosed at 12 years old so how did it then change for you? Was that helpful this diagnosis in school to keep up with the curriculum? Did you get some additional support or was this more of a hindrance having this stamp on your forehead being Mm -hmm. labeled dyslexic? And then also, I mean, we can also talk about, as you said, the resources, right? So I guess you were one of, I would say, very few in Tanzania that, first of all, your mom somehow saw this. Pushed for this diagnosis, and your family had the resources to get you tested. And then, I guess there's not a lot of people, children in Tanzania getting getting this diagnosis.
1: No, that yeah, that's a whole separate thing that I can definitely go about. Which I was fortunate enough that my parents could pay for for my diagnosis. But I remember that it cost four thousand dollars to get me diagnosed. Whoa! Which yes, which in many cases. No one has that amount of money. I remember my parents didn't pay it like full amount because we couldn't. It was just not money that we had laying around for, you know, emergencies like that. My parents were going to get me diagnosed, but I think we paid it like in quarterly payments. But if I could barely pay for it, my family, I can't imagine anyone else, you know, and there's lots of students who have learning disabilities that, that, that need help. And the fact that there was only one lady at the time when I was there, because I don't live there now and neither do my parents, that just shows that there is limited resources in many countries and and people aren't really aware of it. And instead of, I don't know, exposing themselves to the fact that there is learning disabilities and that we can help students cope with it and give them resources, they're just labeling them as students who are not capable as dumb, that will never succeed, and they should just figure out an easy job, and then they're done for the rest of their life. There is no supporting, there is no teacher guidance, and I was lucky enough to find a teacher who guides me, but I I definitely know that that can be very hard to find someone who's going to support you as a teacher as well. But back to your first question, yes, my mom was the one to initially push it for me, but I remember when I was diagnosed and probably until I was maybe 20 years old. So almost, you know, 10 years later, I remember I struggled a lot at school with thinking I had dyslexia written all over my forehead. I remember feeling labeled. I remember feeling labeled and that that changed from that moment on when someone told me I was dyslexic and I was 12 years old. So telling a 12 year old, That you're dyslexic, I kind of was like, well, what's that? You know, what is that? Because I didn't know. And when they explained it to me, they just said, well, your reading's a little slow and you need help with your spelling. You'll never, you'll never overcome it because that is something when you are diagnosed with dyslexia, you're never going to overcome it. You will be able to progress and have skills that develop because I can tell you that my same 12-year-old self, to my 21-year-old self now, I'm not the same person. In a sense, I can, I can spell glasses now just fine. <laughs> but, but definitely, it doesn't go away. It's still there. But I, I think the fact that someone said that, oh, there's no cure for that, you kind of go, great, I'm stuck with this for the rest of my life. How am I going to survive? Because it feels like it was the end of the world for me as a kid. So
0: how did you power through this? Like, how did you even keep your motivation high going through school and finishing your high school and going through university?
1: Yeah, lucky enough, I went to an international high school, the International School of Tanganyika, which we work with international baccalaureate programs, so the IB program. So I was going through that, which is not an easy program for any student let alone a student with a learning disability. So we didn't even know I was going to be able to get that diploma, which I managed to do. I think a lot of my, my personal strength and pushing through was every time a teacher said that I couldn't, which was something that still I cannot fathom with. And, and it hurts me to see that there are teachers like this now that tell students they can't. I, I wanted to prove them wrong. And I think a lot of support was just my family. I, I would not, at a young age, especially before I knew what I really wanted and becoming my own person, I had a lot of support of my family. And my family constantly said, you are just as smart as anyone else. You can do anything you want to do. And that constant support is, some, I think a student needs that at a young age until you, n- you needed to know what you wanted to do and advocating for yourself. I didn't know how to advocate for myself at a young age. And I had my mom and my dad who were constantly advocating for me to make sure that I got support at school and after school. I was lucky with being diagnosed, I got accommodations. And my school was able to give me a reader and a scribe when I had to take exams. And what that is, is being able to have someone read aloud the sentence or the question. Because a lot of times people with dyslexia work with their cognitive section of their brain, which is if you hear it and if you see the words, you're going to be able to understand what the sentence is saying. Rather than you trying to read it yourself, you're going to get confused what the sentence is saying and obviously answer the question incorrectly. But if you're hearing it and following along, you will constantly remember that. And you'll be able to remember, oh, I studied for this. I know the answer. And then if you had a scribe, which I did, you wouldn't be worried about the spelling, which was something I got. I got a lot of test anxiety when it came to my spelling. I felt very self-conscious. I was like, oh, I can't write. I I can't spell certain words. What am I going to do? And that's where the scribe comes in place. So I was very lucky to be able to have that accommodation and support. So that's what really got me through early years of school. When I came to high school, I had to teach myself how to advocate for myself, which is not an easy thing to do. That was also due to lack of resources. And it's not something that you, how how do you teach yourself to advocate for yourself, which is something that is why I want to continue telling my story and helping other students and adults, because it's not an easy thing to just pick up one day, you're going to start advocating for yourself, you need to know the tools and, and the skills, so that you know how to advocate for yourself. But really, what got me through high school was, I did not want to be the student who was dyslexic, and couldn't get a normal high school diploma, I wanted to graduate from high school. And I wanted to prove the people who didn't believe in me wrong. And I just wanted my own success and I knew I could get there. It took a lot of work, but I got there and I was able to graduate from high school and also got an international baccalaureate diploma. So that's how I got through high school.
0: Wow. Congratulations, by the (laughs) way. That sounds amazing. Wow. And so you mentioned a little bit the accommodation and some of the tools they gave you first, and then you had to teach yourself. And I guess at that time, I don't know if there were already like self-help groups on Facebook out there, or it sounded like you did that all on your own. Like you had to empower yourself with the support of your family, but nothing else.
1: Yeah, no, I remember my mom constantly researching for resources in other countries. Because obviously Tanzania didn't have those resources. And there was a lot of, I I think there was a lot of Facebook groups and all that for people in the United States, for people in the United Kingdom. But for me and for where I was, it just didn't work for me to be so far and be part of these groups. And so that was really just not, (laughs) that was not something that was there for me.
0: How did you then? After managing to getting your high school diploma and your international baccalaureate, like, I guess that gave you some confidence and a a booster (laughs) because you're currently at the university in Connecticut. And is that correct? And you're doing, you're majoring (laughs) in communications and you're doing public relations. How, how are you doing this?
1: Um, (laughs) And. Uh, Yeah, that is a good question. I guess my strength always became my ability to speak. I think I couldn't spell, you know, great. And my reading was slow and my writing wasn't fantastic. So I guess my skill became speaking. And I was always very good at public speaking. And I was constantly told in high school that I had a way of speaking. It's almost like if you lost one of your five senses, one is going to definitely pick up on the other sense. And if you couldn't see, you will work on your touch and your smell. And that would develop more than your loss of sight. And I think the fact that my strong suit was not spelling, my communication came in hand. And I actually, I got into the University of Quinnipiac and I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I went in undecided, which is something that is nice to do in university because if you don't know what to do, you can just take a bunch of classes. And I definitely knew I wanted to see what communication was about, and I took a few classes, and I, I really did enjoy it, and I felt that there isn't really a major in advocacy besides maybe going into a law degree, which I didn't want to be a lawyer. (laughs) So I was like, how do I combine what I want to do, which is be an advocate for people with learning uh, differences? How do I be an advocate for learning differences and combine my education? So I decided that I will become a communication major in media studies and I am minoring in public relations, and I'm getting my master's also at Quinnipiac University in public relations, and I'm hoping to get my PhD in special education to combine my true passion of what I want to do, which is constant advocacy is in public relations, which is what I've learned so far, and advocating for an organization that you truly support and I could work for an organization that supports learning differences is that is my dream job, that is my dream goal. And I think combining public relations with a PhD in special education, where I'll learn a lot more specifically of each different learning difference and how the brain works and and really understand what it's like to be a person who has a learning difference, which is hard because everyone is different and goes through it differently. I will be able to advocate better for students, adults, anyone who who doesn't have that guidance and support, which I know that at a young age, if it wasn't for my family, I wouldn't have that support. And my school didn't constantly give me my support, besides one teacher that I did have. And this teacher came in my high school years. So this is when I was older. Her name is Tammy Rolsi, and she has been my constant support. She's constantly told me that I can do whatever I want to do, and she's always had my back, you know, in anything I've done. And honestly, her constant support has made me and be who I am today. And I'm very grateful that I had a teacher who supported me because not many did. So I think I ended up at Quinnipiac was all part of that meant to be planned for me. Was not planned. I did not pick Quinnipiac University. It all happened in the universe's plan, I would say, and I am very grateful for the opportunity that I've been able to get at Quinnipiac University because I know that my next step after graduating with my master's, I hope, is to work with either an organization that works with learning differences, which is my dream goal.
0: Wow, you're such an inspiration, (laughs) and I think when I was your age, I had a little bit of passion of like the subject, but that was about it. And I see you already are very driven because you have this purpose and something obviously you are passionate about because you lived the the, the difficulties, right? And had to learn how to advocate for yourself. I think we might be similar in terms of like, we're very strong personalities and we could Mm -hmm. overcome some of the roadblocks, but we see other people along the way that might be shy or don't have this self-esteem and need somebody like us to really advocate and help them. So already I want to say thank you for all that you're doing. If there's a parent out there and has maybe a hinge that their child has a learning difference or dyslexia, what would you say is the first thing to look at? could you say something about this or because you only live through your own lens or do you say, I mean, tested for you, you did have this stamp, but it did help you? Like if if parents are hesitant to get their children mm -hmm. tested, would you just say, well, support them in the safe space of the home or is it important to get the school involved? I definitely
1: will say that If a family is in some concern that they've noticed something about their child and they're worried about getting their child tested, I fully 100% recommend they get their child tested if they can. And I know that that's not something that easily comes across. My sister was never diagnosed until she was, I believe it was 27. My sister was 27 when she was diagnosed. And we couldn't even diagnose her here in Portugal when she was here because they thought that was a psychiatric problem. They thought she had a mental problem. And the fact that Portugal considering dyslexia a mental problem, that's also another thing that needs work on. It's a separate topic, obviously, needs work on because it's not a mental problem. And it makes me frustrated to hear that they consider that a mental problem because if you tell someone you have a mental problem because you can't spell and read, that's not the case. That's not how the brain functions because it's not a mental problem. So I I definitely recommend getting diagnosed. My sister was 27 and she got diagnosed because you will be able to get accommodations and I don't say accommodations and accommodations aren't a way to cheat your way forward or to finish the race before anyone else and be like yeah I didn't have to go through all that hard work but you did and the accommodations are support so that you can do exactly the same thing as any other student who doesn't need accommodations and I think I am grateful that I got tested because I got accommodations not just in high school, but I'm getting them right now at my university, which is so important because that was my main concern. I wouldn't have gotten the technology support from Quinnipiac if I wasn't diagnosed because they need to have that diagnosis. And I know that a lot of companies and work organizations, if you do have dyslexia, they will support you in the sense of making sure you have the right technology to get you through your job because they don't see it as, oh, we can't hire you because you have a learning difference. They go, okay, well, let's get you the stuff that you need so you can do your job because we know you can do your job. You just need the, the technology or the, that extra support, which is, it's fine to have support. There's nothing wrong for asking for help. So if parents are weary, that is my advice. First signs of seeing it I think it's different for every student on how to really see it. My mother saw it with my spelling, but I guess you could also see it if your child isn't reading books for their reading level, maybe isn't interested in reading because that is also another sign. Lots of students with dyslexia will try to avoid reading because they're either not reading the sentence properly or they don't know what they're reading, which is another thing is they'll read it and not understand what the story is saying or what the, the article is telling you, and then they're not learning. Then they're just doing it because they don't want people to think they can't read. And, and that's not learning. You want, you want every student to learn. So I think that would be my advice for anyone listening and wanting to learn a little bit about how to first get started you mentioned the workplace
0: will help you and understand and accommodate. And I, I hope that is true. But I think a lot of people at HR all over the world might also not be educated and know all about dyslexia. And I guess if you learn the tools, you might be able to say what you need in a workplace. So just out of curiosity for people that are not dyslexic, what could that look like? Like what kind of tools or software or support which somebody might need at a regular job
1: working in an office? I mean, one that I constantly think could be useful is definitely having, I mean, we have spell check on our computer now, which is a great benefit for anyone who needs help with checking their spelling, make sure it's grammar corrected. And that—that that is one thing I would say is definitely have that if you feel like you're a better communicator like I am, there is lots of softwares like text to speech, which you would just dictate what you're saying and then we'll type it, which I think those are some softwares that can be beneficial for you and make it easier for you to get your assignment done or whatever you have to do in the workforce. And I don't think... I mean, I've personally gotten a few, but like a lot of computers already come with these softwares because obviously technology is evolving constantly. I don't think you would even have to pay for it. Or if you did, your company would also maybe possibly pay for it because they want you to obviously do your job successfully. And this is one way for you to do it successfully. And they can't judge you because of that because that goes against everything for a learning difference person or anyone who is gifted or twice exceptionally gifted
0: yeah i was just thinking you know i'm also doing a podcast and not a blog because i like to talk and when you Mm -hmm. talk about software yeah i also have the software that helps me then transcribe Mm -hmm. with ai so Immediately one button and the whole conversation is then spelled out for me, which is amazing. So you said already you're doing, you already are starting your work in advocating. Do you want to share a little bit about that and
1: maybe about dyslexic success? So I have been getting involved a lot with organizations that are trying to get awareness out on many topics. I am doing two internships right now, one through my school called Ability Media, where we work on anyone with a different ability. That's what we like, physical, learning difference. And that's why I'm involved, because I I definitely want to promote learning differences through that internship I'm doing. I've done a few blogs and some videos on some informational talks but I'm working on their social media as a communication student right now. But my other internship that I'm doing is with the Focus in Learning Center, which definitely works on getting students coaching support and resources that they need, finding a coach. And that is something that I honestly wish there was more around, because if there was coaching when I was first diagnosed or, or those types of resources through a coaching um, platform, I would have learned a lot more. I would have gotten the support. I probably needed it as a young kid. And I think coaching is a great way to really help students feel like they have their work under control, feel like they can do their work and also get resources on how to cope with like technology, small skills. But my advocacy starting this year, I started doing an interview of my life and my story with the Dean of Communications at Quinnipiac University and I'm hoping to release that video towards the end of this year and that's me really telling my story from the very beginning into what I'm doing now and so that is my advocacy and starting individually so that is one of my goals that I wanted to do this year. If people would Like to already
0: connect with you? Are you open for connection on social media? Is there a way for people
1: to connect with you? Of course, I would definitely say if anyone wanted to connect with me, the best way is through LinkedIn. Definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. It is just Gabriela Alvarez. My profile picture is the same, but obviously you have. I think that would be the best way, and I'm definitely open to um, hearing and reaching out and if there's parents or anyone, even an adult who just wants to talk about things they've gone through, things that they've had to struggle, like, oh, were you ever uh, worried about going up to the the whiteboard and writing something on the whiteboard? That was my biggest fear. And I was always so scared of doing that. And I think I've being an advocate is not just helping people on how to properly advocate for themselves, but also being there as a mentor and a supporter. And I want to be there for not just students, but adults in the sense of I I know what you've gone through, and I would love to know what you've gone through because it's definitely different than what I've been through. And I want to be a supporter, and that's my main goal. So definitely, please reach out because I I want to be there for others. So how did you manage writing on a whiteboard? Most of the time, I would either write it on my notebook and ask my classmate that I trusted and say, "Is this felt right?" But obviously later we had computers and we're allowed to bring out computers. So I would just type it quickly and see if it was spelled right. And then I would try and memorize, if it was a long word, I would try and memorize each letter of the word to not spell it wrong when I got up there or freeze and be like, oh, I forgot how to spell it. Sometimes I'd write it on a paper and take the paper up to the whiteboard and quickly look at the paper and then write it. So, you know, just because I was too embarrassed to misspell something not that I didn't have my fair share of experiences of where I totally totally made big mistakes in front of my whole class which was the most embarrassing thing ever I got through it and it was a big learning curve for me so I think we all have those moments of feeling embarrassed of having our learning difference but there is Later in life, I think we'll all laugh at it and be like, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. Everyone makes mistakes. Anyone who doesn't have a learning difference could easily have made the same mistakes. So it's not not just us. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you're saying that. And thank you
0: so much for sharing all of your insight. Is there anything else that you would like to share and use this opportunity? Or is there anything you wish people would know or
1: anything you wish you knew earlier? Yes. Don't be don't be scared of who you are. Don't be embarrassed of who you are, even if you... I know that can go on for a very long time and feeling ashamed of who you are and why do you have this diagnosis. Don't think of it as a weakness. See it as a strength, which many people have become very successful over the years with it. My favorite one is Walt Disney was dyslexic, and that's why he became a famous drawer. And that's how he came up with Mickey Mouse. And I think that's incredible. And he's one of the very famous people we know. We, we know his success story. and And I think that's incredible just to know that someone who had dyslexia was so successful that you can do it just as well. And he is one of my biggest role models in the sense of he quotes, if you can dream it, you can do it. And I think that's important because you should never stop dreaming, even if you have something that's a little roadblock, because you can definitely, there's ways around a roadblock, and there are skills and supports, and there are people who want to get you through that. So I think that is one message I want to send to anyone, student, adult, and you're all shining stars and we all meant to shine bright. And I think don't be in a shadow and don't hide yourself because you think you can't do it. I think anyone can do anything they set their mind to. And I, I just want to say that this is my story and everyone's story is different. And I'm sharing mine because I know a lot of people can be scared to share their story. And I was very scared to share my story. This is probably probably in the last two years, this is the only time I've ever started feeling very comfortable about sharing my story. And I know that that can be hard. And I want to be there as a support in any way I can be. So if anyone has questions, doubts, Anything. It could be the smallest thing. I did earlier this year I did a conference with the folks in Learning Center, which I'm working with. And I I had a parent ask me that his daughter, I think she was nine years old, and she was scared to tell her friends that she has dyslexia. And he said, How did you tell your friends? And I remember I only I only told one friend that I really trusted. And because I was too scared of telling other people. But then I think you eventually start growing and you stop being scared because it's nothing to be ashamed of. But if your friend, truly your friend, and this is what I said, is they will care about you no matter what. They won't worry if you can spell the word glasses or not. They're your friend because they're your friend. And that is true friendship. And I said, then that is your daughter's true friend. And she shouldn't be embarrassed to say that she's dyslexic. And for anything, she is my friend because she is trying to, you know, really be who she is. And it's okay to say that I am Gabriela Alvarez and I have dyslexia. Wow.
0: And this was at the beginning of your life more of a hindrance but you really turned it around and now i think it's your superpower because <laughs> it gives you a purpose it gives you a direction it really i think it it motivates you and when the going gets tough through university mm-hmm. this keeps you going and i think you probably have a lot of other strengths that we haven't even talked about that comes with dyslexia mm-hmm. that you know, maybe you're more creative than the, your peers or like something else comes out. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So I don't know. Is there anything that you think your dyslexia makes you stand out or like gives you some edge or? Hmm.
1: I mean, I've always been a very creative person. And I think in a sense, a lot of people who are diagnosed with dyslexia will go into a creative path I've met a lot of people who have gone into the culinary arts path because that is something that they can do with their hands uh, a lot of people with dyslexia will do something with their hands and it is more beneficial for them I my strength has always been speaking I've that has become my my power and I have finally I'm finally ready to use my power in the sense of doing podcasts doing interviews and sharing my story. And I think that's what I want to do after I graduate is definitely continue using my voice to talk about things that are important to me and especially advocacy. So I think that was always my super strength. I didn't know it until now.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story and I'm wishing you the best of luck and I'm going to follow you and and see you're, you know, like a shooting star. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
0: Wow. What an incredible young driven woman she is. And I'm so inspired by her story and also how she took her learning difference and just turned it around, flipped it into her superpower. And I think this really makes her unique and stand out in a way that Gives her a voice in this world she otherwise wouldn't even have. So I'm so impressed by this woman, and I hope you go and follow her on LinkedIn so that you can get the latest news of what she's up to in the coming weeks, months, and years. So, with that said, I hope you enjoy this podcast, and if you want to support this podcast, the best way to do that is to go to Apple Podcasts, to like and subscribe this show, giving it a few stars, hopefully five. And you can also leave a written review when you scroll all the way down. And that helps the algorithm to then show this podcast to more people. The more people that like and subscribe and share the show, the more people will be able to listen. So that's how you can support this show and the cause to create awareness around the topic of giftedness and also twice-exceptionality. And if you want to be up to date of what's happening behind the scenes and about new things that are coming in the future then the best way to do so is actually go and subscribe to the newsletter on my website at unleashmonday.com. I promise I won't spam you with newsletters. I am not the person that loves to rate. That's why I have a podcast. But sometimes I'm going to reach out and send you some information or something that is happening cooking in the background that Might not be ready to announce on the podcast yet. So that's really for the inner circle people that subscribe to the newsletter that will know about what's happening behind the scenes and new things that are coming where I'm not yet ready to share publicly here on the podcast. So please go and subscribe to the newsletter. And this is also where you find all the episodes and everything else that's related to the podcast. So I'm wishing you a wonderful day. And I see you in two weeks. Bye.